Hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Got uh, a nice little uh, Angels-White Sox game going on right now. Uh, Noah Syndergaard versus Lucas Giolito. Kind of, uh, sort of like a watch party, I suppose, since we're all probably watching the game as the uh, as the stream is going. Um, my name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. This is White Sox Daily Live. How you doing, Danny? Uh, not too bad. You know, uh, spent the uh, the better part of the last week, uh, you know, working my tail off to, uh, you know, make sure that I can enjoy this upcoming holiday weekend and, uh, you know, split the night sky with uh, an arsenal of fireworks. Ooh. So, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> trying to, uh, you know, just uh, stay ahead of my work. Now, obviously, in my line of business, uh, being that I work in, a, in the RV industry, uh, these uh, weeks before a holiday can be uh, a bit busy. We'll just say that. And, uh, you know, leave it at that. But, yeah, you know, all in all, been doing pretty well. Doing better than the White Sox here as of uh, late. <laughs> but, uh Yeah. How you doing, man? How was your week? Uh, well, you know, um, besides the fact that uh, I was forced to watch uh, Corpse Ball for the entire weekend, um, other than Sunday, which Sunday was far too adventurous for my liking. Um, other than that, you know, uh, you know, had a baseball tournament with the boy this weekend, and... Uh, you know, that was good. Uh, did a did a show out in uh, out in the city over the weekend, so that was cool. That's about Very it. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to uh, I have to agree with you on the uh, the adventurous game on Sunday, but you know, that's just Tony Larusa being the uh, the chess master and knowing that uh, the White Sox record in uh, one run games is uh, pretty stinking good. So you know. Can't have a four to nothing or four to one lead. Got to make it uh, a four three lead because, well, you know, in a one run ball game, we're almost guaranteed to win. Ooh, <laughs> a little. Hey, Timmy, resub. Yeah, there we go. Months. Yeah, I've been doing that for a long time, I guess. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know. Giolito's, you know, not looking too bad. Uh, you know, twenty two pitches here. And uh, he's got an out in the second. It's a little bit, a uh, little bit too many pitches for me after uh, one and one out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty much what uh, Giolito's been doing this year: uh, high pitch counts, um, not having uh, the put away pitch going on, uh, not a whole lot of swing and miss. It's uh, it's an an adventure. Um, yeah, something you and I have been talking about for a while with Giolito. Uh, you know, when you go up there and you throw basically a two-pitch mix for uh, five or six innings, if he can even get to six innings, you know, I, I say that six innings with a little uh, tongue-in-cheek there. But, yeah, you know, like you said, the pitch counts get a little high. It's, it's kind of deep. It's hard to go deep into games when, you know, you're at 80, 90 pitches, 85, 90 pitches in the, in the fifth inning. Fifth. You're uh, lucky if you get that in the fourth at this point. Right. 
you know, it would be nice to see, uh, you know, either the slider or the, you know, the next to non-existent curveball make an appearance uh, as a, a reliable pitch from Luke. But uh, unfortunately, uh, that has not been the case as of late here. Yeah, not so much. Uh, you know, the curveball hangs a little bit too much most of the time and the slider is, you know, he's having a hard time finding it in the, you know, finding the strike zone with it. And if he does, it's ends up being center cut and generally hit pretty hard. Um, yeah. These guys are just, they're, they're basically just sitting back and waiting on that change up that, you know, he likes to use up in the zone too, where a lot of these guys like to hit their, their big bombs. So, uh, you know, uh, when the scouting report, is basically saying, "Hey, this guy's going to throw you a, a high change at at least once a year at bat. You're kind of sitting waiting to look for that, and uh, there's a handful of guys out there that are going to tee off on that. Oh yeah, <laughs> if you're throwing it forty percent of the time or whatever it is that he's throwing it, uh, that you pretty much guaranteed that you're going to get it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say uh, it was fantastic uh, watching Dylan Cease do his thing yesterday." Um, that was, he's a mechanic. He's an absolute mechanic. Uh, you know, we talked about this before the season started. Uh, a lot of folks were waiting for him to, uh, make that next big leap. And so far, you know, we're, we're nearing the midpoint of the season here. And so far it looks like he has made that leap. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just a stud, you know, he is, hands down the ace of this rotation right now. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get years and years of that out of him because, uh, you know, we've been looking that for that out of Luke, you know, and he shows flashes at times. There has been times in his career where he is definitely an ace. And then there's other times where he just can't seem to get it going. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe him and his, uh, his old high school pitching coach are going to have to do some work, but, uh, you know, you just hope that you get that guy back. Cause, uh, Oof, it's it's going to be a long season if he's going to only go four, five innings every time out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, you know, he, he had mentioned the other day that it was uh, a mechanical issue that he was trying to work through, and uh, they were waiting for, uh, not necessarily waiting, but uh, going to really work on it on an off day in the, uh, you know, this upcoming off day, and he just needed to get through to this next off day, and... You know, my thing is, well, you know, you pitch every fifth day, you know, are you not, you know, obviously he's working on it in his bullpen. So it's kind of one of those things that if they know what's going on and know why his fastball isn't moving as much as it used to, uh, why the uh, the ride isn't there and why the horizontal movement isn't, you know, as, as good as it was before, uh, you know, you figure that... Uh, they might have figured out how to, you know, fix that fairly quickly, but uh, it seems like it is not a quick, easy fix, which is not good for us, and it's not good for the White Sox. Um, it's you know his, you know, as as we've talked about before, his home run per nine is uh, oh oh, and. Uh, you know, or some subpar. Yeah, you got to have, you know, if you're going to watch a White Sox game, you have to have uh, the ball being thrown around like 
like crazy. And oh, it's, was that a home run? I thought it was a home run, and uh, Gavin Sheets knocked it over the wall because that's what certainly what it looked like to me. It was in his glove. Yeah, and it was for not. a second. Yeah, it was and, a home run. Uh, nice job, nice assist, Gavin. They're saying it left the field of play. It did. It did. It hit the White it, Sox fan and then the, dropped it, back yeah. in. Oh, so of course, of course, it's like one of the White Sox things that could happen. <laughs> Goes in the glove, out of the glove, and then hits a guy wearing a White Sox jersey in Anaheim. Good lord! You know, this is why you like to have an oh, outfielder no. playing in the outfield. No, 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 no. It did not touch anything other than the wall. Really? Yeah, I'm watching the replay now, and it did not touch anything other than the wall. It bounces back into the field of oh, play. Oh, yeah, look at that. I wonder what the ruling yeah. is going to be on that. You know, yeah. Once they signal home run, there was not a play made. Yeah. Yeah, and then they threw the ball to the backstop as well, you know, in uh, true White Sox fashion. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to send March back to third, maybe? I do, yeah, I that's know. a that's a good question because, yeah, oh man, you know, uh, you know the the Gavin Sheets experience, folks, we're living it right now. Um, you know, the guy comes out and hits a two run dinger yesterday, and uh, and then you know you come out and you see this, and it, I you know, I like the left handed power from him when he's hitting the ball. Unfortunately, this season, he has not been hitting the ball very much. No, he has not. And then you get, uh, you know, the outfield play that looks like this, you know, the cement cinder blocks for boots and uh, balls in and out of gloves, you know, unfortunately, really doesn't look very good out there. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, we've gone over this, Quite a bit. He is not a good outfielder. And uh, it's going to take longer than eight months for him to all of a sudden turn into a good outfielder. And I, I'm pretty sure that that's, that's not going to happen. Um, John Rudels. Oh, leave Lucas alone. Yes, I Gavin Sheets is not so hot right now. I will agree with you. Trash can, clown face. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. You know, it's just, it's it's one of those things, man. <sighs> We've got, you know. Here we I, go. I mean, I'm not going to send him back to third. Call yeah, it looks turn. that way. Hey, look at that. So it's only one to nothing uh, until this next batter singles right up the middle or something. You you hush. Yeah, I mean, I love the way he looks at his glove. Like, oh, it's yeah, not there. It's, it's his glove's fault. Yes. Well, how about this? Don't use a glove that uh, you know, like a fifteen-inch glove that's floppy. You know, I understand that outfielders generally use you know longer gloves, but uh, if it's just going to sit there and flop around like that, what's what's the point of having it? You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. You know, something about the way he looked at that glove, it, it reminds me of the scene from the original Top Gun when they're in the locker room and they're talking about, oh, where did he go? Where did he go? 
<laughs> you know, like he looked at the ball, like where he looked at his glove, like where is it? Oh, here we go. Here we go. What did Lucas I tell Giolito you? Lucas Giolito can't get, what can't get out of his you? own way. Yep. <laughs> ball off of Lucas Giolito's feet goes over Lenin Sosa's head into right field off of Giolito's feet. It is now two to nothing. Um, yeah, man, I, it's it's just, uh, you know, White Sox stuff after White Sox stuff. Nothing seems to change. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it, it's, mm. yeah, it's unfortunate, but... Uh, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, all we can sit here, you know, all we can do is just sit here and watch. And now the trainer's out looking at Giolito's foot. And, uh, looks like it's hot there. Nate, yeah. Well. And he's completely Giolito sweated. Through his I mean, he's, he sweats a lot in general. Um, but yeah, yeah that, him and Kopech are, yeah. uh, they're, uh, they're, they're moist gentlemen. Yeah. Lucas, uh, heat. he looks like a, uh, looks like a hot, sweaty mess up there. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at the chat here, and uh, John Rudels asked, Where's Vaughn? And unfortunately, uh, there's only one worse outfielder on the team than uh, Gavin Sheets, and that would be a one Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn wouldn't even gotten a glove on that ball. That is true. Well, you know, you, I, you know he might have read it better. See, that's the thing about him is that he can read the ball better than Sheets, um, he's just slower. I think that he might have been able to possibly get a better jump on that. I will say that his glove's definitely better. That's for sure. Right. He won't. So, he wouldn't have dropped that. Yeah. So uh, now the the lineup turns over, and we have the uh, the one hitter up. Um, it would look like a, a a chance to get out of the inning at about thirty pitches for uh, Luke, which would have been on par for a, a you know a decent pitch count. Now uh, we're extending innings here, and uh, he's up to 35 or 36 pitches with two outs in the second and facing the top of the lineup. Constant thing with this team, you know, giving extra outs. It is yeah. a uh, it is a disease that they cannot seem to overcome. Uh, it's pretty – the fielding is awful. I mean, you know, one of the things that uh, the White Sox have done is sell out for offense at the – cost of defense and uh this is kind of what happens when you do that for this long um hey aj pollock can catch the baseball so they get out of the inning it's only two nothing hooray um you know when did when did you think that you would be pining for Oloy jimenez's defense in the outfield oof I mean, because that's where I'm at right now. I would love. I would rather see him in the outfield than uh, some of the other guys that we're trotting out there this season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one of the things that's uh, been a discussion on Twitter, and I know that uh, AAA Jeff was going to talk to uh, Mascara, the uh, the uh, AAA manager, the uh, acting manager for the Knights, is what the plan is with Aloy Jimenez. Whether they were going to plan on keeping him at DH or whether they're going to start throwing him into the outfield. Cause as of right now on this uh, 15th rehab stint that he's on, uh, on this one injury, um, he's only DH so far. And, uh, he has looked, uh, his speed hasn't looked great, but he doesn't look terrible. Um, he's not hitting the ball a whole lot, which is concerning. Um, it's going to take him a little while to get the timing back and all that stuff, and the extra base hits have not come yet. Um, 
But the question is, is whether they plan on putting him back into the outfield at all in the first place, you know, when he comes back. And I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know what's going to happen, whether they're going to put him back into the outfield or whether they're going to uh, just keep him at DH all the time, at least for a while until, you know, the legs are good. I suppose, but my question here with that is, is that he's hurt himself most recently on the base paths. So if he's DHing, yeah, he's DHing. So if he gets a hit, he's going to be on the base path. So right at that point, like, what's the point of keeping him, you know, out of the outfield and just having him DH when the problem is, is that all these guys keep on stretching out for singles at first base and screwing up their hamstring or turning an ankle or, you know, screwing up their knee or whatever, man. It's just, it's, you know, like, what's the point of keeping him at DH at that point? You know he doesn't want a DH, so... Yeah, he's been very vocal about that. Uh, you know, I, the other question that I have for that is how, honestly, how can you afford not to play him in the outfield when you see the atrocious play of some of those guys, you know, this past half inning where we, you know, being a good example where we saw Gavin Sheets almost toss a ball over the fence and handle over a home run, you know, to a guy who was probably four or five feet short of a home run, you know, and, and we see a lot of this with some of the, the, the subpar outfield play, you know, Eloy's off, or I'm sorry, Eloy's defense has improved some a little bit. Is he still, uh, is he still, you know, uh, a, a less than, you know, average defender. Yeah, he is. But in comparison to some of the other guys that we see trotted out on a regular basis on this White Sox team currently, he's quite a bit better defensively. Uh, you know, and you can't wrap these guys in bubble wrap. You got to hope that, uh, you know, the training and the rehab and everything is uh, going the way it's supposed to go. And I know that's a very difficult hope to have with this White Sox team this past few seasons with the injuries piling up, you know, seems left and right. You know, I wake up in the morning and I'm just waiting for the old tweet machine to uh, tell me something else in the bad news department. Uh, But at the same time, like I said, I, I just, I honestly don't see how you can keep him out of the outfield right now. Well, he doesn't want to do it. We don't know how well he's going to hit when he's not focused on, you know, being on the field as well. A lot of guys seem to lose interest when that happens. Guys that were everyday players that make the transition to DH. You know, I don't know. But, you know, we talked about this last week a little bit. We kind of hope that maybe the White Sox can coast the way they have been without him and stay within the Central Division race. And, you know, give him the you know, however long amount of time it's, it's going to take for him to be ready and good so, down in AAA. Let him rehab it as long as he needs to. Here's the question, though. Okay, so we've seen A.J. Pollock in right field. He's, yeah, it hasn't been great. He's a left fielder. Um, you're clearly not going to put Aloy in right field. No. So, I mean, what do you do? You put Aloy in left field and then put Pollock in right field. So, yeah, I, I think I would. My hope is that Pollock, being uh, somebody who's played center field and left field, can eventually make the adjustment. 
I mean, you would think. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's just a matter of the ball, when it hooks, hooking in the opposite direction. You know, when you hit it down the left field line, it's going to hook away from you towards the foul pole in, in one direction. When you hit it down the right in the right field, the ball is going to have that spin where it hooks towards the foul line and right. It's just the opposite direction. It's just I think it's just a matter of time for a guy of A.J. Pollock's talents to be able to make that adjustment. Uh, and he, I don't really feel like he was afforded that time, being that he was a late trade uh, for the White Sox in the offseason and was kind of just thrown into that role. I would hope that that's something they've been working on and, you know, pre pregame workouts, uh, you know, off days, whatever it is, whenever they're, they're getting their time to, to work on something, I would hope that's something they've been working on. Cause we know at some point Aloy is going to come back. You know, I would have this guy working on that at least some. Josh your options are kind of, lim- kind of limited. Yeah. Harrison strikes out on a sinker, low and in. Um, here we are looking at Noah Syndergaard. He's at 25 pitches and almost through the third inning. Um, yeah. I, I kind of figured that uh, Syndergaard was going to be a tough matchup for this uh, White Sox team that, A, can't hit right-handed hitting very well. and Right-handed, right-handed pitching. Yeah, and that's what I meant. Yeah, can't hit right-handed pitching very well, and uh, and he's a sinker baller. And his, you know, his ERA is coming in at you know about half of Geo. You know, I mean, it's it's been mentioned. You know, he's not the same guy that he was when he was coming up with the Mets. You know, throwing a hundred miles an hour, um, but he is a better pitcher now. So. You know, I kind of thought that it was going to end up being a uh, somewhat bad matchup for the uh, for the White Sox, and uh, Lindy and Sosa grounds out to shortstop. It's you know, uh, this is one thing I mentioned on uh, Twitter. Um, somebody said, "Oh, I hope he gets off to a fast start and helps the team," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know, I hope so too." But the thing about Lindy and Sosa is, is that generally when he comes up to you know when he gets promoted, it takes him takes him a little bit of time to get rolling. So. I wasn't expecting him to come up and uh, you know be gangbusters right off the bat, and um, this is something that I wanted to talk about. Were Tony Larusa's comments the other day? Uh, Lenin Sosa gets brought up from Double A. He jumps a level, something that I didn't think that the White Sox were going to do, and something that's been uh, brought up many times by uh, a lot of people that if you were going to bring somebody up and then just have them there as a uh, you know as a uh, a fill-in guy for a little bit while you're waiting for some guys to get healthy uh it would make more sense to bring the more uh polished I, I, yeah i guess you could say polished slash experience guy up uh, in uh, Yulbert Sanchez, because you're not as as much worried about um, you know him going up and down as much, and if you're going to bring a guy all the way up from Double A, you know you would generally think that if he's good enough to get out of Double A and get brought up to the major league team, uh, that um, he's going to you know you you're hoping that he's going to stick, right. 
Um, right. You know, you're kind of the hope is if you're going to make that jump over Triple A, that you're going to be a guy who can produce rather quickly. Yeah. Uh, so and it's usually, you know, when that happens, you know, back in the day, you would see that kind of thing happen more often. But you know, you got to go back more than twenty years where, you know, the 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 talent, the level of talent that was probably top talent as far as position players goes was in Double A at the time. You know, Triple A was full of guys that were rehabbing you know injuries or old has-beens that were still trying to you know stay in the game uh it, that is not the case anymore your best hitters your best pitchers generally are in triple a uh which is a good thing in my opinion because your best hitters get a chance to face the best pitchers which, oh, excuse me i don't know where that came from speaking of best hitters mike be- trout is up right now there you go but, uh, you know, it's generally going to keep your guys uh, closer to the level of pitching that they're going to face at the major league level. So, uh, you know, and just to agree with what you're saying, to see a guy jump from double A to the big league club like Lennon has, uh, you kind of expect a guy who's going to get hot rather quickly. And, you know, as you were talking about earlier, he's generally a guy who – you know, it takes a little bit of time to adjust. So, before I stepped on you, well, you were saying that uh, you saw some things on Twitter. I, I'm sure you had a thought about uh, Yolbert Sanchez or the likes thereof. Well, just, you know, my, I, I agree 100% that if you're going to bring up a guy and he's, you know, as Tony said, uh, Tony's quote the other day, which to me seem like utter nonsense. I've heard uh, other people's opinions pretty much being the same, you know, saying that, uh, you know, well, he's just a, and there, you know, and then Geo strikes out Trout. With a changeup. Sure, why not? In the dirt. Why not? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's the, he says, well, he's here just to fill in, right? You know, those are uh, Lairies at bats. Uh, you know, if he can do what oh. he did uh, yesterday, which you know is a, a single in a in a walk, uh, <laughs> if you know if he does that thing, those are his at bats, and uh, you know Josh is our you know he's our spark plug, and uh, you know it's just spouting all this drivel, n- utter nonsense. Um, <laughs> you know, N- Leury and Josh Harrison are not the answer here. And you know Josh Harrison, even if he does get up to his, uh, you know his his normal uh, whatever it is like two eighty two or whatever career normal, um, his OPS still isn't like that great. His OPS isn't great. His WRC plus is okay. You know uh, yeah, he doesn't hit for a lot of extra bases. Yeah, he's replacement level. He's like a hundred you know hundred OPS plus WRC plus guy. He's not anything that's really going to necessarily help you he just won't hinder you when he's playing normal which this year so far until uh the last uh last little bit ooh, he just got that one uh shohei shohei otani just uh lined one past lenin so he just missed grabbing that one on a line drive it was a screamer yeah uh, lenin uh laid out for it it was just out of his reach yeah i gotta say that's probably like somewhere in the 110 110 12 mile an hour range is my guess. Um, but 
you know, like just the, the stuff that Tony says, I, I just, I don't understand the love affair. I, you know, I know that he is the, uh, he is that old school guy who doesn't ever want to give rookies a chance. And uh, it's been mentioned before that uh, Bobby Bonilla getting injured in spring training is the only way that Albert Pujols made the Cardinals his rookie year. And he didn't want Albert Pujols to come and play. Like, what what are we doing here? You know? <laughs> and, right, and it's right. like, it's more of the same here, you know, is that... Well, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, we're just, like, we're, we're hanging on to... You know, the possibility that some guy that's either average or below average, speaking on uh, Josh and Leori, we're, we're trying to hold out hope that they're going to get back to being average and less than average, which is what both of them have been their entire career. We're holding on to the hopes that Leori and Josh are going to be the ones who are going to help us over the hump. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's absolute garbage. One hundred percent absolute garbage. And I'm glad you bring these these uh, these comments by Tony Larusa up because you know you bring up the fact that he talks about how those are Leuris at bats. And in the very next day, I see tweets. Uh, you know, I think it was Fegan, James Fegan, who tweeted out that uh, there was a, another interview done with Tony Larusa saying that uh, Lenin Sosa was going to get. Plenty of playing time. So, I, you know, the other thing is, is and Tony LaRusso seems to do this a lot. There's a lot of side speak, talking through the side of his mouth. You know, uh, he says one thing one day. He says the exact opposite the next day. You never know where this guy's head is. Now, how do you expect that guy to manage a baseball team? How do you expect your players to be on the same page when your manager can't be on the same page day in and day out? This guy can't make up his mind whether he's coming or going, and yet there's still Tony Tony Russo apologists out there saying this guy's a Hall of Famer baseball person. He's in the Hall of Fame. Well, you know what? I'll tell you how he got to the Hall of Fame. He had two teams that were full of juiced-up players that were going to perform and hit the ball a mile and a half every time they went up to bat. <sighs> Plain and simple. Yeah. You know, and here he is. He's handed another juggernaut, and he's squandering it. This is the third time in his coaching career that he's going to have what would be considered a solid, completely solid baseball team. And the first two teams, he was, the first two times he was fairly successful. Not so much this time around. The he was actually was lucid at that point, though. So there's that. Right. The game has passed him by. Hell, life has passed this guy by. I'm tired of looking at him. I'm tired of seeing him. And I'm tired. You know, we've been talking about the last couple, you know, weeks where we come on this show and we're like, hey, consistent lineups. That look good, that uh, you know, make some sense or more sense anyway. Maybe not perfect sense, but more sense than they have since the beginning of the season. And then here we go. You get one injury, and the lineups get shaken up to the point where you're going, "What the hell is going on?" And guess what happens? The offense absolutely disappeared for four games. Zero offense. There was at one point, I think that Sox had scored one run in 29 straight innings. One run. That's over three games if you're not if you're counting, folks. <sighs> that is absolutely horrendous. I put it, and you know what? There is no excuse. I put it all on the manager. I don't want to hear about the players performing anymore because yes, I agreed with that 100. percent But there is more to it. 
I'm sorry, that is not the only explanation. Who is in charge of making sure that these guys know where they're supposed to be and putting them in a position to do the things that they're supposed to do? I've had it. I'm done. I made the statement the other day, and I am I, I say it through a bit lip, but I really don't want to go to another game this year as long as this guy's a coach. I've seen that sentiment it's, quite a bit on Twitter. Is that uh, you know people are finding it hard to care about this team with uh, TLR at the helm, and they don't have any hope that it's going to get any better this year. And I, you know, I want to be the guy. I, you know, I want to be at least the possibility of being pseudo, uh, you know, a rah rah guy. At least a little bit, but I, I can't. I just you know I, I watch this team and it's just every time I watch, there's just something that just is mind blowingly terrible every single every single time I watch that there's something stupid you know like uh, Lenin Sosa finally you know he finally gets his uh, you know his starts. And he starts on Saturday, and, you know, heaven forbid Leury doesn't play a game, and they're trying to nurse along Tim. And look at that, Lenin Sosa, T.A., turn a perfect double play out of the inning. You know, you can't take at-bats away from Leury, and so Leury's playing shortstop, which, you know, all things considered, as far as Larry goes, he's not a bad shortstop. You know, he's a fairly decent shortstop. But this idiot just runs right across the field, right in front of Lenin Sosa, steals a ground ball that's literally like four feet away from him, and then boots it and extends the inning. You know, I mean, it's just no matter what, that guy can't get out of his own way. And it's just... Bad things just keep on following everybody on that field all over the place. And it's it's just it's it's tough to be positive when you, when you watch this day in and day out and you see the same you know, it might not be the same person, but you see the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it's not corrected yeah. by the guy who's supposed to be the guy who's supposed to be pushing fundamentals and, and good quality baseball. And it's just, it, it's the same thing every day. Just most of the well, time, I mean, it's, you know, po- possibly somebody different the next day, but then, you know, it. it this makes isn't it's... beer league softball team. You don't just move guys around from position to position and expect them to be on the same page every day. You know, we got, it, it, granted, there have been injuries. I get that. I understand that you're going to have to plug and play some guys. Maybe sometimes a little bit out of place. That's the nature of the beast when you have injuries. But there are players on this team that are not injured that could get consistent playing time in the same position day in and day out. And yet our Hall of Famer baseball person manager refuses, absolutely refuses to do that. And I don't understand why. There is zero consistency, zero consistency. And I don't know if you're, you know, 
if you've ever been in a in a in a job position where there's zero consistency, but uh, usually, you know, I've been in a, in a handful of different jobs in my lifetime, and you know, you go to those morning meetings, you have these conference calls, whatever it may be. The one thing that everybody tries to do is get consistent, so that we can all get on the same page and be productive. This team lacks that, and that starts with the guy wearing the ball cap that says manager on it. Plain and simple. The guy who can't open his eyes more than a slit, a paper cut in his face. You know, the guy who can't do an interview without stumbling over his own words and stopping to pause every three words because he's looks like he's going to, you know, go into a narcoleptic fit in front of the microphone. I, d- I will it's, say, it's maddening. I did enjoy the, uh, the pictures of him in the, uh, in the office the other day, sitting there with his uh, his pants open and <laughs> sitting at his desk, looking like uh, you know that nineteen seventies nineteen sixties manager, kind of kind of made me chuckle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's it's hard to stay positive, you know, and and I want to, um, but it's but it is difficult um, when you see so many you know questionable things going on. And TA seven doing TA seven things, by the yeah, way, hit up the middle that. single right up the middle. That's nice. Um, you know, I mean, whether it be the manager making questionable decisions or whether it be the front office, you know, like, so here's the thing is that the front office is the one who decided to bring up Lenny and Sosa. But, the issue being is that you know they they bring up Lenny and Sosa, but you know the the thing about that is is that they're they're giving him to Tony Larusa, and so the problem is is you know the, pro, the part of the thing might be what, why you're getting double speak and you know nonsense out of TLR is that somebody's telling him uh, I know what you said I heard what you said in that interview and uh, you're going to play him. Whether you like it or not, I, that would You're, not surprise me. Yeah, I mean, we had talked about the the batting order being taken out of his hands, and uh, by a little bit more, uh, yeah, sleepy Tony Larusa. That's absolutely right. There, pusher robot. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Yes. Hey, good evening, sir. Yeah. Good evening, also donuts. Good to see you as well, sir. Um, we'll give you guys the uh, the old uh, TLR trot there for you. Just uh, pay our respects there um and as we were talking uh tim anderson swipes a base on noah Syndergaard. love it um yeah you, gotta love that we talk about uh the lineup decisions being taken out of tlr's hands and uh you know i kind of have to feel that the th- these comments that are coming up oh uh, yes uh andrew vaughn dhing that's that is right and he strikes out um you know, I kind of have to think that, you know, basically somebody said, when he comes up, it's so guys can get healthy. So stop playing Larry Garcia, who's partially hurt. Sit him. Let him get healthy. There's literally no, I mean, and I mean, say what you want about the fact that he's not helping you. And, you know, when you see the uh, with Larry and uh, without Larry. Um, win-loss record. And you see that without Leury, the White Sox are like 19-8 and eight or something like that. And with him, they're 
<laughs> below 500 and yeah they're, they're actually i think they're like below 200 when he's it's ridiculous uh, yeah the, it's the yeah it's parity in the numbers yeah it's bad but i mean you look at that and I should say this parity sorry and uh, well i mean and no matter what he still has to he feels the absolute need to push Larry Garcia in there you know I, and it's like despite the fact that you you look at all of his offensive numbers you look at his defensive numbers literally every stat that you look at tells you that this guy is hot garbage and yet and this he's is getting nothing forced new. every day yeah he's, it's not new yeah he's in his he's in his 11th season of his career he has been the same player since he's come up it is not a new concept i do not understand the guru that this guy is supposed to be he's supposed to be hey, some another stolen base and metrics guru metric are you looking at yeah i would like to see that because uh leary garcia on average, is less than half a war player per season. Well, this okay, so check this out. So over his f- first 10 years of his career, he has accumulated, I think, somewhere around three war. Uh, I 4. think 4.4. Is it 4.4? I guess maybe 4. it depends on now, whether the, you're looking at F war or B war. Um, but as of, I think it was 55 games, uh, I believe Larry Garcia was negative 0.8 war. So if he continues on this pace for the rest of the year, he is going to, in one year, wipe out all of the positive war, like almost all of his positive war that he's accumulated over 10 years. He's going to wipe all that out in one year. And you're going to keep on pushing him out there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this guy may, you know, when I say this guy, I mean Tony. He came out and made a statement about Leary being an everyday player. He was staunch in that regard. (sighs) He made these remarks, and now he's just intent on proving himself right. And he's just going to keep going out there until this guy either falls completely flat on his face, which is basically what has happened. Or he's hoping that he's going to find some kind of lightning in a bottle and we'll get two weeks of, you know, there's going to be this two-week stretch where Leary's going to, you know, go on fire. And he's going to raise his batting average up to, you know, 215, 220, whatever. Yeah. And Tony's going to go, see, I told you. This is exactly my point, is that you're hinging your hopes and pushing out a subpar baseball player, two of them, you know. I mean, Harrison... Like I had more hopes for than I did for Leary, uh, but yeah, absolutely out of this, you're hoping by pushing him out here over and over and over again that you're finally going to get a guy who is always below average. You're hoping that he's going to get back to his below average numbers instead of being complete and totally useless. Actually, worse worse than useless, he's actually harmful to your baseball club. I just yeah, I don't get it. Right. And um, it feels like just because you have a point to make. I don't care about your point. I care yeah. about the win-loss column. Sorry, bud. Next. Oh, Bedford Park? G-T-F-O-H. Oh. a Robot asks, why is a suburb on the score image, on the uh, on the score crawl? And I'll tell you, 
because the village of Bedford Park is close to water, uh, trains, has lots of storage, and uh, has lots of uh, commercial real estate available. So um, if you're looking for those things, uh, you should call the village of Bedford Park. I actually live about, uh, oh, I don't know, two, three hundred feet away from Bedford Park. Oh, nice. Do you have I good literally... water? I do, indeed. Although do you have access to trains? Uh, there are a lot of trains in my area, indeed. Perfect. Uh, I live uh, I live on the uh, on the border of Bedford Park and Burbank. Uh, it, it goes abruptly from uh, industrial to you know on, on my side of uh, my side of the railroad tracks there, and I literally my street butts up to it's one set of a spur track, but uh, right at the end of my block, fourth house off the corner, there is a uh, there's a warehouse building. At the end of my block with some uh, railroad property. But, uh, yeah, it goes from railroad and, and industrial to uh, full-on neighborhood. And right along those that railroad spur that runs between my, you know, it basically runs for about four miles. Uh, there's nothing but schools and parks most of the way. So there's that little buffer zone, you know. Uh, which is, uh, I, I take full advantage of that, uh, that uh, railroad property area back there when I am uh, blowing up the neighborhood on 4th of July weekend. There will be video to follow. <laughs> uh, Pusher asks if they're paying for that or if the Sox are getting into real estate. And I would say there's actually a possibility of, uh, I'd say that they are probably paying for the advertisement. Um, the village of Bedford Park is uh, they they do all sorts of commercials to answer that question. Um, but are the Sox getting into real estate? Well, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, that's how he got into uh, this whole thing in the first place was because he's a real estate guy and made a lot of money in real estate and bought the White Sox for a song. And now it's worth a heck of a lot more money than he paid for it. So um, I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, since I brought up that whole thing about the uh, – the front office decision about uh, Lenin Sosa. I also wanted to uh, bring up a couple of other things. Um, so you know how uh, one of the guys that I talk about uh, very often, Tyler Nesloni, and I know that he's uh, he's now 28. Uh, he's an outfielder. He's buried in Double A, but he's got pretty close to a 1,000 OPS. Um, so Adam Hazley gets brought up. Um, Why? Which, yeah, there, there is that, uh, there is that question. Uh, well, the reason why he was brought up is so he could end, end Danny Mendick's career. Um, but um, I shouldn't laugh at that, but I mean, you know, Danny Mendick is up here helping the team the way Danny Mendick has done in the past, and uh, you know, and then we get the the news of a blown ACL. Yeah, and guys, uh, in typical White Sox fashion, guys can't not run into each other in the field. Yeah. Yep, a veteran outfielder who's uh, 26 years old, I believe. He's been playing baseball for, uh, you know, probably for 20 years. Um, couldn't call for a fly ball, and uh, he runs into Danny Mendick and blows out his ACL. Um, so my question here is that I would have rather seen – Mike Rodolfo. I would have rather seen Tyler Nesloni um, rather than uh, or instead of uh, Adam Hazley, personally. 
And I understand the reason for Adam Hazley. He's pretty decent defensively when he's not tearing people's ACLs. And, um, you know, his, he was hitting pretty well in AAA. Um, I will give him that. Uh, but we know about AAA, and we know what Charlotte's Field does to people's batting averages when they're right. when they're hitting the baseball. If you're swinging and missing, it really doesn't matter. And no matter what, that like nobody can help you if you're swinging and missing all the time. But yeah, but you can almost pop up and hit a dinger. Yeah, in Charlotte, exactly. So Adam Hazley goes from a career, you know, two forty hitter to now hitting three fifty in AAA. Um, has absolutely nothing to do with the park effect. Apparently they fixed his swing plane and all of a sudden now he's a good baseball player. And so we're going to bring him up. And, uh, so you're seeing the, uh, the results of that. And, uh, notice that you're not seeing, you're seeing Gavin Sheets, you know, you're seeing Gavin Sheets in right field. You're not seeing Adam Hazley. You're seeing Gavin Sheets again, who got sent down. He hit a couple of home runs and a couple of doubles, and now he's back and he's back to, striking out again and making bad plays in the outfield and almost assisting uh, on a home run. Um, so, uh, no, he missed that one at second. So the guys at second still, I bet. Right. Yep. Missed him. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was a little late. Yeah. He should have flipped. Was, it. it was, it was worse. The effort. Yeah. I, I don't know if a flip would have done him any good. Yeah. He should have. Uh, nah, I don't think the flip would have got him either. Red yeah. got a really good jump. Yeah, no, he did, but, I mean, it was at that point. It was fairly evident that he wasn't going to be able to step on the bag and get him. So, anywho, um, so so here's the thing, right? Is that by moving Hazley up, you've now decreased the outfielders in Charlotte by one. Okay, so I see where you're going. You've got a guy <laughs> in Double A named Tyler Nesloni who's got a close to 1,000 OPS and has had close to a 1,000 OPS for uh, over a calendar year at this point. So instead of moving Tyler Nesloni up to Charlotte and seeing if he can continue in Charlotte, what do the White Sox do? Well, they decide to bring up Logan Glass from Kannapolis, who in Kannapolis is batting 163, I think. He skips over advanced A, double A, and goes straight to triple A. And, you know, I will give him his due. He hit a home run, and he hit an RBI double in two games uh, in his second and third start or whatever. So he's hitting like 250-ish. Okay, I will give him that. But the fact of the matter is, I've watched him in Kannapolis, and he's barely batting over 150. Why is he moved up to AAA, yet Tyler Nesloni is still buried in AA? Like, what sense does this make? I do not, I, I am so confused. I just don't understand. And this goes right along with the Yolbert Sanchez, Lenin Sosa. I'm happy that Lenin Sosa is playing in major in the major league. You know, on the major league I squad. I am as well. But I've been watching this kid since he made his way into the organization at like 16, 17 years old, whatever it was. And uh, you know, he's he's finally matured. I mean, I remember when he was so skinny. 
and it looked like he was never going to amount to anything. But that you know, the talk on him was that he has got a head for baseball and he is extremely talented. And uh, you know, he's put on some weight, he's put on some muscle, and here he is. And I'm happy to see him. But I have to agree with everything you're saying right now. There are guys waiting in the wings who have a little bit more experience playing at a better level, at a higher level, and we're just sitting on them. And and like you said, Logan Glass, does this guy come up from Canapolis? I I do not to understand. Charlotte, don't understand. It does, that, I, mean, I mean, that's a bigger jump than Lenin Sosa moving from Double A to the MLB club. It's ridiculous. And the thing is, is that Lenin Sosa's promotion was actually warranted. It was. You know, like, I'm not saying anything about Logan Glass. Logan Glass might turn out to be a fine baseball player at AAA and then come up to the Major League team. But my, my point is, is that you had a guy who, due to no fault of his own, is sitting behind Drew Waters, he's sitting behind Acuna, he's sitting behind... Pache, you know, he's sitting behind all these guys who are in Major League Baseball. He's buried in Atlanta system. You trade for him. The guy has done nothing but hit, drive in runs, hit for power, play a good outfield. Yeah, he's a solid defender. And he like he can't get out of double A. Like and it's not like there's anything in triple A that's really holding him back you know and you know that's the funny thing you say that okay so now we talk about all these other players that you know were quote unquote and i'm going to use the air quote for the people watching the stream blocking him in charlotte but the, the question is really why none of them have put why up the numbers he, he has none of them right ever it, he, he really shouldn't be blocked at all there didn't need to be somebody that moved for him to make that jump he should have been making the jump because somebody should have either been released or sent down. You know, they could have done the flip-flop where they send one of these other guys down to double-A and say, you know what, you're just not cutting it. You want to stay in the organization? We're going to move you down to Birmingham because we're going to bring this kid up who is mashing. Yeah. Mashing. Or, you know, hey, listen, you've been in our system for seven years and you just haven't done it. Time for us to part ways. Yeah. You know, which they, they actually did with Mike Rodolfo at one point already and brought him back because he cleared waivers. Yeah, but now he's hitting like 250 and, uh, you know, he's not, you know, I mean, I think that he has the possibility of doing something. But, I mean, let's look at this. I'm not talking bad about Mike Rodolfo. No, fine. Yeah, it's clear. fine. I'm just simply pointing out that Blake Rutherford never had a 1,000 OPS. In any level in minor league baseball. Right. Nevertheless, double A. And he can't, I mean, right. he's not even having a, a 1,000 OPS in Charlotte where the park factor is through the roof. Right. You know, uh, Mike Rodolfo, maybe, you know, maybe he's come close to a 1,000 OPS. But the thing is, is that, you know, his, his, his swing and miss is a serious concern. And it's caused many issues, and I, you look at his OPS right now, and I, I want to say it's somewhere around like 750 or 800 uh, because he just hasn't been hitting the ball all that well. Uh, Mark Payton, you know, who they traded for, who is 30 years old, uh, he is organizational depth, but there's no, you know, 
you, you could bring him up, and he would probably he would probably be better than Hazley if you had brought him up. But at yeah, the same he's time, probably be better than Gavin Sheets has been right now. Hundred percent. You know, again, not saying anything bad about Gavin Sheets. You know, I like I said, I I was one of those guys that thought his bat was going to play. It did for, for a while. A, a, yeah, for a short time, it did. You know, he seems to have the a little bit of the Palka disease. You know, I, I, his bat to ball is, is, is generally pretty good. That's a thing that kind of, you know. I don't understand is that he, you know, the thing was his hit tool was always the thing. His power was the thing that everybody said would develop. And it and seems it like, yeah, the power developed, but now the hit tool's gone. So it was it worth it. So, I mean, you know, I just, <coughs> I, I just don't, uh, you know, there are some weird things going on with this, with the 40 man roster. I know that it was brought up on an, on another podcast, uh, Earlier this week, I mean, you got Yoan Ibar is eating up a forty-man spot for what? I mean, Lenin Sosa had to come onto the forty-man. I believe this. He had to come to up onto the forty-man this year anyway because he's Rule Five eligible. So right, he was going to be unprotected if he wasn't. Yeah, he's got to come up anyway. So you know that is what that is. I mean, Yolbert, same thing. Is that if you don't want to lose him, you have to put him on the forty-man. So it's, you know, like there's just like these guys that I'm just, uh, you know, they, they cut bait on your mean Mercedes, who I believe played for the Giants yesterday. He got called up for the he Giants. He did. Um, I only saw that he had, uh, he was 0 for 2 when I looked at, at his stat line yesterday, but I, I didn't see what the final ended up being. Yeah. Nah, uh, I think he went 0 for 3, actually. Yeah. So, I mean. Uh, Whatever. I mean, they 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 are oh, capable. Oh, speaking of Gavin Sheets. Hey, all right. Hey, I'll take it. There's a double for Gavin Sheets. See now, that's maybe we just need to keep this negative mojo going. We'll just start talking bad about everybody that's coming up to hit. Well, you know, and the thing is, is you know, we're talking about him, but again, like we said, we know he's capable because we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it. We've he, seen him hit. I don't think he's yes. capable of playing a good and, right field. No, uh, that's what I mean. You know, yeah. We've seen him hit, and he's very capable of doing that. Uh, he's done it at a few levels. Uh, he's done it at, with the major league club. You know, last season he had uh, he had a bunch of dingers in only like less than forty games or something. I believe it was. You know, um, the thing is, I, I don't know if he's got a swing plane issue. Is that? Is that a Frank Benakino thing where he, you know, he hits where he goes down below and then he comes up with the team and they're like, you know what, let's try something new. I don't know. But uh, it seems to be that that has been leaked a few times by someone in the organization. It's kind of leaked out there. Or at least there's rumors that, uh, you know, these guys hit everywhere they go and then they come up to the major league club and the major league club says, eh, you know what, we're going to try something a little bit different with you. And it's like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't effing fix it. Quit messing with these guys. It, it is a, uh, an interesting thing, isn't it? It's maddening. It is absolutely, you know, there's so many frustrating things. So many frustrating things. And as a fan, you go, how is it that we see this stuff and they don't? And then you get those other fans out there like, oh, these guys are paid for. They got more information than you'll ever have. You know, I'll tell you what, I don't really need a whole lot more information than what I you know, there's a ton of information out there. There's 12, 14, 18 different websites where I can pull numbers from and tell you 
that, uh, you know, it's there. And I can find a lot of information that supports my argument. So if these MLB clubs have more information that doesn't, I would sure, surely like to hear it. Yeah, uh, the the guy that uh, I believe you're talking about is uh, Chris Johnson, the uh, hitting coach for the Knights, which, um, oddly enough, uh, I believe he comes from the Braves system, if I remember correctly, which uh, is an interesting thing because, uh, as I remember, they've generally got some pretty good hitters. Um, Yeah, and you got Tyler, Tyler Nesloni comes over from the Braves organization and I mean the, the second the, the second he put on a, a Barons jersey took like three out. games but yeah oh <laughs> uh, well okay I mean you know yeah potato potato you know really uh, he comes up and he's I mean he has not okay so it took three games but he has not cooled since and I I, I am flabbergasted I'm sorry. I'm a little more uh, animated this show than I have probably been on this show in a long time, but I have my reasons. Yeah, there's plenty to be. I'm, I'm tired. There's there's a lot of confusing stuff going on right now. Um, there's a lot of bad baseball right now, so there's a lot of, a lot to be animated and pissed off and uh, just completely confused by. Um, I've got a I've got another thing that I wanted to bring up. Uh, did you see uh, homeboy uh, Davis Martin yesterday in uh, AAA in, uh, pitching against the Woo Sox? No? I uh, did not see the game, but I did see some uh, highlights. He pitched four innings uh, in 48 pitches, struck out nine, allowed one hit, no walks, no runs on 48 pitches. 38 for strikes. Um, So here is the question that I have. Okay. The guy's a starter. He's been throwing 85 pitches to 100 pitches all the time. Yet, uh, when he's pitching now, he pitches about 50 pitches, if that, um, when he comes up to uh, the majors, uh, he threw. I think he threw seventy in his first start, and I think he threw around like fifty in his next start. Um, and when he's starting in AAA, they're holding him to fifty pitches. Yeah. Now, if the guy is a starter, do you? Why are you holding him back and having him throw 50 pitches? Because if he's been a starter, and if you have a starter go down, you bring a guy up who is a starter and is showing out in AAA and AA, why are you putting him on a pitch count and having him throw 50 pitches I'll tell you why. I'll, well, I'll tell you why I think the Sox are doing this. Because you're trying to hold him so he can pitch for longer into the season. I get this, but the whole thing is, is that every time they bring him up, they use him in r- long relief, 
And when they put him in in long relief, he pitches 25 pitches. So you're actually doing him a disservice. And because he's a starter, he is used to having his routine and going through his routine, building up into getting ready to pitch. And then as the game progresses, his pitches improve generally as a starter. It is counterproductive. It is makes no sense to do that with a guy like Davis Martin. No, because I the just, Major League Balco wants him for the bullpen. They don't want to use him as a starter. Yeah, we we did that. We did that once or twice. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna bring you up. We're gonna stash into bullpen. Fine. We're gonna let you sit yeah. for four. Burley or five did days. it. Sale did it. You know. Yeah. Crochet, I, no, who's I'm now not, getting Tommy John, did it. You know. I'm not defending it. Don't get me wrong. I am not defending that by any means. I'm just telling you that's what I see happening here. Because he came up and he had them two starts. He went back down. He pitched. But ever since he's gone back down, his pitch count has gone down. Because he's on the he's on the Danny Mendick uh Uber schedule. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have you we're gonna have a car and a plane ready for you whenever we need you. I and we're just gonna shuttle you back and forth and we're not gonna you're not gonna start. You're not going to start, so we're gonna we're gonna pitch you like a long reliever in the minors, and you're gonna come up here and you're gonna pitch like a long reliever in the majors, and instead of being stretched out and ready to go, you're gonna be falling behind. Yeah, so uh, you know, I just don't I I don't understand the thought the thought process here. You do that with a Bennett Souza, okay, fine. You do that with a Tanner Banks, okay, fine. But Davis Martin. Like why yeah, are you... probably has the the best command in the organization at, at the moment outside of you know the guys already on the MLB club, i.e. Dylan Cease and maybe even you know might I say Johnny Cueto? I'd say yeah, I'd lately, say but... probably Cueto is better than him, and uh, as far as command goes, because all the other guys are hit or miss it seems with their command, so. Um, but, you know, I mean, Davis Martin's command is something that has made him who he is. He generally is a guy who's going to stay in the zone, or if he's out of the zone, he's throwing it where he wanted to throw it out of the zone. You know who uh, who he was a teammate with in uh, college? Uh, oh, God, I do know this. and I Tyler Nesloni. There you go. We yeah. talked about this before. I actually learned that from you. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, I'm just I, there. There are just like certain things that I just don't, I don't get. You know, I understand why you do. Uh, he just struck out Trout again. Giolito, he loves striking out Trout, just like uh, Vince Velasquez loves striking out, tr- striking out Trout. Who doesn't love striking out Trout? You know what I'm saying? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's just there, there are certain things that I just that this that this baseball team does, uh, obviously on a pro personnel level, uh, you know, as far as like free agent signings and stuff like that go, and stuff that involves the uh, the owner and money, like that stuff, obviously. But lately, That's one subject. But lately. Like these kind of decisions have me kind of just wondering, like, well, you know, we thought some of these decisions were going to go to the wayside when Chris Getz got promoted to, you know, the head of 
uh, pro person or player personnel and development. You know what I mean? Uh, player development. It, 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 but it, it seems that nothing has been fixed and in some ways has gone backwards. Because there's really a lot of... I mean, I am befuddled. Oh, I am... I am I am confounded with some of the decisions that have been made. It, they, it's absolutely mind-boggling. None of it makes sense. And you know what? Maybe they do know something we don't know. I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. But I know what I see, and what I see doesn't make any sense to me. And I feel like, you know, I may be a slightly... Uh, maybe maybe I'm I'm tooting my own horn and patting myself on the back for thinking that I'm I'm a little uh, informed fan here because I you know I stick my nose in a in a you know a bunch of different websites with a bunch of different stats and I'm looking at numbers I, you know I'm not the hugest stat nerd in the world but I pay attention to these things and I cannot for the life of me figure out what these guys are looking at. There are some you know, times. And things, yeah. Thanks to uh, White Sox Daily, since I do not have an MILB subscription, thanks to White, White Sox Daily Twitter and YouTube, I am able to see actual gameplay, which I have not had in the past. And, uh, you know, if you want to be one of those eye test people, well, guess what? The, the video's out there now. And even my eye test tells me that some of these guys deserve to be in positions better than they have been. And it is infuriating. You know, I will say, you know, doing those minor league uh, highlights, I do generally tend to stick to the positive things and not to the negative things. So th mm -hmm. there are, uh, there is something to um, there being two sides to the story, of course. Uh, but the thing is, is that when you see the same person with positive results and, and highlights popping up a lot. Um, yeah, that should tell you something. Smoke, there's fire. Yeah. I mean, usually it, where there's smoke, there's fire. The Tyler Neslonis, the, you know, the Yolbert Sanchez. Lenny and you know Sosa. what? We brought up, Yol we brought up Yolbert Sanchez a little bit ago in the show. And one of the points I wanted to make that I, I kind of just slipped my mind. I get to talking about something else and, you know, you get distracted. It happens. My apologies. But, you know, I've heard the arguments about Gilbert Sanchez. He's cooled some. He's this, he's that. You know, he's just not ready. It's too early. We don't want to force a guy and ruin his development by pushing him too long. The a la, you know, Gordon Beckham excuse. So, uh, you know, and, and the thing that I want to say about that is, yes, he has cooled. But guess what? He still has a nose for getting on base. You know, maybe his average isn't 340, 350 anymore, and his OPS isn't 900. But guess what? He's still finding ways to get on base nearly every game, it seems. Yep. Multiple times, usually it, every game. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, talk to me about him cooling or whatever. You know, this thing about uh, a slump keeps coming up. He slumped a month ago. He has come out of that slump. Has he slowed? Some, but you know what? He was also hitting at a pace that was probably unsustainable for most players in the game. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was an eventual thing that he was going to slow some. 
I think the thing about about him is that you know one of the things that that you could look at and and say is like some somewhat of a, a detraction slash uh, flat you know red flag type thing is that the OPS has gone down his slug has gone down so I mean but the thing is is that that was never really his game anyway you know no he's an OBP guy he's not a he's not an extra bases guy yeah with a very solid glove and he, and you know the uh, the solid glove has still been there. So, and you you know, second base generally is not a position you expect a guy to go out and hit thirty dingers. You know, there have been some exceptions to the rule. Lenin Sosa, but who just grounded out again? Yeah, Lenin Sosa is one of those exceptions. You know, and I'm talking. You know, we can go back over the, you know, the major league players that have done it. The White Sox really have never had a a banger of a second baseman, or at least not a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say not in a long time. Yeah. It's but uh, Tadahito Gucci was good, but you know, for a very short period of time. Yeah. You know, a lot of folks don't realize he was like top three in almost every offensive category in in oh five and oh six. So yeah, uh, and he did well for the Phillies as well. So he did. He did. But you know, you got the you know Ryan Sandberg's of the past. who was the other guy that played hey, for... Hey, Andrew Vaughn uh, rips one into the corner. T.A. is cruising. Doesn't look like yeah, the groin's hurting around. too much. Yeah, he comes around to score. We are now within a run. It's 2-1 Angels. Nice. Man on second, one out in the top of the six. I like the way this is going. The the personnel decisions, I, I just kind of I kind of wonder, you know what we're what the, the franchise is doing in general. And, you know, I know that uh you know, Lenin Sosa has a chance to be one of those guys that can that can really help a baseball team. Hey, Jose Abreu gets it over his head. How do you like that? And here comes and old Leadfoot Vaughn with his piano on his back. Very nice. <laughs> tied up at two. Love it. Yeah. So now Syndergaard, you know they're they're getting to him a little bit. Uh, he's got sixty nine pitches here in the top of the six, but he does have two outs. So probably more than likely see him come out for the seventh, maybe even the eighth, depending on how things go next inning, next half inning. Yeah. Yeah. It strikes out uh, AJ Pollock to end the, uh, to end the threat there. AJ Pollock who, not having uh, is, a happy day. Yeah. He is, uh, visibly, uh, upset with himself. Kind of curious as to see where these, these personnel decisions are going. Um, because when you start to see things like the the weird stuff with uh, Logan Glass and uh, that kind of stuff, it just um, I it just, I'm just confused, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, we'll see we'll see how, th- how things go. Um, I completely and you know not to be a, a negative uh, Nancy here, but I completely expect uh, Adam Hazley to bat two twenty five in his stay here, and then go back down to Charlotte. And um, hit three forty. You know, come back I mean, and do, you, know, you know maybe you know maybe he goes back down there and goes back down to two fifty. You know I just I don't uh, I don't I don't see Adam Hazley as that guy. You know uh, I see that he could be a contact guy and possibly do something for you. I just don't think that you know you you've already got Adam Engel on this team. I don't think that you need another. You know, granted. Oh, do they? 
Yeah. Do they have angle yeah. anime? Well, you well, know, of course, we were talking know. about this, and now it's coming to fruition. You know, come to fruition that uh, you know, of course, he's got a hamstring issue. That uh, those um, his lucky hamstrings that always seem to play a part in his demise every year. Yeah. Um, but I feel I like mean, if you're somebody who's our age, you would get the reference of like you know everybody you know back in the '80s had like that junk drawer. That had like you know random paper clips and rubber bands in it, and that fat rubber band that was like dry and crunchy and crispy, and if you pulled yeah. on it just a little bit, it snapped. I feel like that's uh, Adam Engel's hammies. I kind of, uh, I compare Adam Engel and his hamstrings to uh, an old Jacksonville Jaguars player, uh, Fred Taylor, and his magical groin, and it never failed that every you know every season. Torn, the guy was you know, a hell of torn, a running back, though. Great running back, but every year, like clockwork, pulled groin, and he all of a sudden turned into absolutely worthless. And it would always happen, you know, like right, right when you're trying to do your playoff push, you'd have no Fred Taylor anymore because his magical groin had taken control. I lived um, in Jacksonville for some of the Freddie Taylor years. Yeah. He was a lot of fun to watch until that groin. Yeah, and it was it just was like, like uh, what is going on? Yeah, same thing. Same thing with Adam Engel every year. It's a, you know the hamstrings, and you know I love Adam Engel as a player. Uh, you know, as a as a fourth outfielder, you know he's great on defense, and he'll run into one, you know, fairly often. Um, and it looked like he was on his way to becoming, you know, uh, a guy, and then hamstring over and over and over again. And uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, the Adam Hazley thing, though, you know, he was he's more or less Adam Engel without power. Uh, he was a guy who would play pretty good defense. You know, he's actually less than Adam Engel on defense, but, you know, he's a, a competent defender in the outfield, um, but more of a madrigal-ish hitter, uh, more slappy guy. And... Uh, you know, I pretty much expect him to go going back to being just a contact guy and going back to Charlotte. And um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Logan Glass will make it up to the White Sox this year. And Tyler Nesloni will get sent down to Winston-Salem. Um, speaking oh, oh, of... Just stop. Stop. <laughs> you're speaking of uh, Winston-Salem, uh, Colson Montgomery... Oh, this guy is man! Pro, I love this kid. Promoted from uh, Canny after a, I believe it was thirty-two game on base streak, uh, comes up to uh, Winston Salem, and um, I have you on. I thought I had you on silent. Stupid thing. Um, Sorry, and I've got my phone sitting on the laptop here, so you're getting totally buzzed. Um, buzz, 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 buzz. So uh, Colson Montgomery, thirty-two game on base streak. Um, he comes up. Uh, Lairi is 100% a junk drawer player. He's I like one of the those junk things. Drawer thing. He's Lairi one. Is a junk drawer he is a junk drawer player. <laughs> not just not just junk drawer hamstring old rotted rubber band. He is actually a junk drawer player. He is that guy that you hold on to cuz maybe one of these days you're going to need, you know, that screw that you took out of, you know, whatever, and it just ends up sitting in that drawer for literally 18 
20 years and you never okay. use that screw, that's Larry Garcia, or what he should be anyway. Oh, yeah. Well. <sighs> yeah, but. Oh, um, Lord. Yeah, so Colson Montgomery uh, promptly in his first game in uh, Winston-Salem, second at bat, uh, hits a line drive shot into the seats in uh, right field. And uh, he's kept his on-base streak going, and I believe he's at 36 games now. He walked twice yesterday. He didn't get a hit, but he did walk twice yesterday. Um, kid, he's he's got – I mean, it looks like he's got it. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say that uh, 100%, you know, that, uh, you know, it's going to continue at every level and that uh, everything's just going to come easy for him. I'm not going to say that. Um, but I will say that the kid, you know – his Uber, uh, um, you know, over his definitely over his age group, uh, plate approach is really really awesome to watch. You know, I am not used yeah. as a, as a White Sox fan. I am not used to seeing these guys come straight out of high school with such an advanced approach at the plate. Um, that just well, in that might be first, the problem. It, it, he's, he's coming out of high school. The Sox haven't had a chance to ruin him yet. Well, there's, you know, there's of course that. But I mean, like the thing is, is that you know he's he's just naturally got that eye. You know, he's got that thing where he's going to watch a pitch on the outside and he's not going to swing at it. You know, you just you right. see it in most at bats that if some guy's trying to bait him, you know, three four inches off the plate and trying to work out on him, he doesn't he didn't fall for it. You know, he'll take, he'll take the walk. He's not, he's not too proud to take a walk. He doesn't insist on hitting the baseball, but he does get on base. And, um, you know, I, I would of course like to see him, you know, the, the average to continue at, uh, you know, like a, a three fifty four hundred rate, but that, that's not going to, you know, like that's unreasonable to ask, um, but uh, I think that you know he's going to keep that OBP up just just with his advanced approach, and he's going to continue I mean, to rise. I, I wouldn't be mad if he was the next Ted Williams. I would not be mad. I also would not be mad about that. Um, you know, like I would even take like uh, you know like a DJ Lemayhew, um, you know, something along those lines. That would be fine with me. You know, um, I'm looking for somebody that's uh, that's useful, and he seems like he's useful. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately he did uh his uh his bud Westcath is uh still down there in Kannapolis, but um something that uh an- another guy that did uh, earn a promotion is uh Moises Castillo went from the uh when uh, Lenin Sosa came up, uh, Moises Castillo went from uh the Dash up to the Barons and uh he did have a uh, a couple RBIs yesterday. Um, so I saw that. Yeah, I, I retweeted that. I believe. Yeah, there's there. You know, I will say we're so used to not seeing position players uh, developed by the White Sox that it's almost to a point where we don't expect anything really all that good. But I gotta say, there are there are definitely some really interesting guys down there. Um, one thing I'm definitely not thrilled about, and I and I'm sure that this is a problem through you know every system, is that 2020 season. 
I just feel like it ruined so much development for so many of these guys. And, you know, like a, like a guy like a, a Nestlone, a guy like, uh, you know, right. like a Duke Ellis, right. you, get, you know, it's just like these guys are You get a handful of guys. Yeah, you get a handful of these guys that, like, people say, oh, he's 27, he's 28. And you're like, yeah, you know what, though? He missed an entire season in minor league baseball. Look at Sheets. You know what? We should talk shit about this guy. Pardon my French. I know this is a, a family show here, but we should, I mean, we should really throw this guy in a dumpster every night because, you know, he's two for three now with a double and a single. And uh, he's, I don't know, guy staying on base. Well, I'd like to see more of that. But you know what? Look at, he's got a nice, good swing plane there. He's hitting the ball. He's not trying to jack home runs all day long. He's actually looking like he's just hitting line drives out to right center. And making things work. I, I I feel like things get weird with him when he's really kind of gotten away from, like you said, his hit tool, his contact. Yeah. And he's trying to put one in the seats every impact. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's there's definitely something, you know, to that for sure. Is that, you know, he comes up here and he's expected to be that left-handed power guy. When in reality, he's never been that left-handed power guy. He... It's. I think that he should look at it. There was a there was a quote from Andrew Vaughn where he said that the only time he's going to hit a home run is when he, uh, it's going to be a mistake, because it's supposed oh, to be a line on. drive. Whoa. You know. Oh, thanks, Noah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So <clears throat> Noah Syndergaard just botches a a little uh, ground ball there. I'll take it. Got guys on yeah, first button. and second with zero outs. Love it. Sebi Zavala. Sebi Zavala, the, the master bunter. Master bunter. Um, glad you said bunter. Yeah, master bunter. Um, <laughs> Sebi Zavala. Bunting. <laughs> what are we doing here, people? What are we doing here? Oh, my goodness. I mean, it... <sighs> The strategery yes. um, is never-ending. Yes. Uh, see, just like with uh, Gavin There we Sheets. go. Hey, there all right. And then Get Josh there. Harrison, the spark plug. Oh, yeah, nice job, Sebi. Gets picked off at second, overrunning the, the base. White Sox. White but they Sox did, did take, take the, lead. the lead. See, the thing about this is that uh, Tony LaRusso. Turkey trot, Tony. See, he knows that the spark plug for this team is Josh Harrison. And he also had a feeling about this Gavin Sheets kid, you know? Um, just like uh, Rick Hahn, he was feeling very bullish on Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn. And, uh, well, that's we all why... know how well this uh, A's team has been playing as of late. Yes. The Angels. Yes, Angels. I'm sorry, Angels. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah. No. yeah hey, well, you know, they just did pick off uh, Sebi Zavala on that, uh, that overrun at second base. Oh, what was he I don't even know. doing? Might... What? He looks like he might have got back. Actually, oh, yeah. now that I'm watching this replay. Yeah, he almost got punched in the face, too. Uh, well, no, it's hard to tell from that angle. Yeah, no, he made it in. He's safe. How do you like that? I'm pretty sure he was safe there. I, I would say so myself. Uh, one look looks pretty good. The other look looks a little closer than that, but, you know. As they say, New York has got some uh, angles that we don't have here that we can't yeah. show you. Well, why yeah, not? Yeah, sure, sure. Why not? I I want to know why. Don't I mean, believe honestly, you. 
You know, it's like Ron well, Burgundy. I don't believe you. <laughs> I do not believe you. I, I love Lamp. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what uh, comes back on this uh, thing. But, uh, you know, good thing. White Sox take the lead 3-2. Love that part. That part's great. Um, yeah. Um, see, that's old TLR's walking around in the dugout over there. With his hands on he's his He's got hips. his glasses on, which means he's probably got his eyes open. It means that he's very astute. I don't know if you know that about glasses, but if you're wearing glasses, you are a very astute person. Says my uh, esteemed co-host with the glasses on. Yeah, which are you know, they're blue light glasses. They're not uh, prescription. So. Ah, roger that. Oh, he's out. Probably not a bad idea, though, if we're going to... St- Why? Yay, yay, Yeah. He sure looks safe from that one angle. But you know New York had a different idea. See, they've got lots of uh, angles that we don't have. And um, all those angles usually go against the White Sox. They really do. There's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything here. I'm I'm just saying uh, whatever angles they have, I would love to see them. Whatever angle they have, it's called the... um, the uh, anti-white sex angle. That's what they've got. And uh, Ed Hockley was nice enough to uh, tell us that uh, he was out. So that was nice. Put you know, Turned on his... Uh, Ed Hockley? <laughs> you know, what, whoever, oh, oh, whoever uh, he is. I mean, you know, now, oh, oh, now uh, that they've got their own... Uh, they've got their wireless mic and everything. It's kind of, it reminds me of football, you know? So... Yeah. That guy didn't have nearly yeah. the triceps of Ed Hockley, uh, you know? Well, Ed Hockley just likes to throw flags so he can flex on camera. He, uh, he works hard on those arms, man. You know? The beach is that way. <sighs> yeah. I understand. I get it. I get it, Ed. It makes sense. So, yeah. So now we've got uh, man on first in uh, Josh Harrison with uh, Lenin Sosa up to bat. And uh, Lenin Sosa uh, uh, hits it to a shortstop, grounds into a double play, inning over. Middle of the seventh, White Sox up three to two. Uh, I'm assuming Giolito was probably I didn't catch his uh, final pitch count at the end of the uh, half inning, last half inning, but uh, I I know he was up like close to ninety last I looked. So I'm going to assume he's not going to come out. This inning, maybe he does. I don't know. You know, Tony seems to be on that whole thing lately. Let's throw a guy 125 pitches and leave him out there to die. So I don't know. But uh, let me ask you this: since we're uh, sitting here during a commercial break, uh, I would like for you to prognosticate the uh, guys that might come out of the bullpen here in a one-run game late in this inning. Is uh, Foster's back from bereavement? Isn't he? Oh Lord, yeah, I, I believe he is. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry I asked. I think uh, I think it'll be Matt Foster. Uh, I'm followed for Jose by because that horse has been whipped a lot lately. Why not yeah, keep it? Well, going? after yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, you never know. Because uh, Graveman pitched yesterday, so he's probably uh, unavailable. Uh, because it was a stressful right. inning, so he's probably unavailable. <laughs> so I'm thinking it'll probably be like, uh, maybe it'll be, uh, yeah, I'm thinking Foster is going to be the guy 
if 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 he starts uh I didn't see if anybody was in the bullpen warming before. So I'm going to say that I think Giolito's coming out. Now, if he gets into trouble, you know, the thing about uh Tony LaRusa is, is that he is very uh Here's your uh, answer. Raylo. All right. I you know, I don't hate it. I don't either. To be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, he's been, but you know, we're already in a one year. run game, so But again, we're, we're in a one run game. Tony's going to protect that one run. Again, this goes back to my issue with the Davis Martin thing is that Raylo has been a starter for his entire career. And yet for some reason he's not allowed to pitch over 27 pitches even in long relief. Uh, that is the most one of the most maddening things I, I've seen this season. I do not understand what like what the deal is. I mean, are they are they afraid that if he gets through the that he can only get through the uh go through the order once? And if that was the case, if he doesn't give up any hits or anything, he should still he get should be able to get him. through three innings. But the guy never pitches more than two. Even if he's only thrown, you know, like twelve pitches an inning, he still only pitches two innings. Like I just, I he's don't. He's thrown some, he's thrown a couple of spotless innings yeah, out I there, just... and still gets yanked from games. Like Tony's got the hook ready. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe you know, I, I, that's one thing I will, uh, I'm gonna look into Jump a little bit more. Junk drawer in right field. <laughs> Donut says junk drawer in right field. So. Junk drawer. I, I guess uh, Leori has made his appearance. And ah, uh, yes, because uh, as a defensive replacement, mm, very solid, very solid idea. Let's remove the guy who's got two hits for a defensive replacement who's probably not any better at defense than he is. Just saying, no, the same guy. Uh, you know, I, I just I keep I can't. I remember get it out game of my four. Mind. Game four of the playoffs last season where, you know, he came in three steps on a ball that was 40 feet over his head. <laughs> so, question, did you when you were watching the game the other day where uh, Leury was playing center field, what did you think oh, about his was... defensive position? <laughs> I mean, come on, he was playing at the edge of the grass, and I'm not talking about on the oh, freaking man. warning track. He was, he, was like a, he was like another infielder. Yeah. What are you doing? And nobody on the bench saw this and said, hey, you know, take How, a few steps back. Daryl Boston? Back up. What? I mean, you know, I know you don't have a whistle, but you could probably hear you, hear you yelling, you know? I mean, come on. Yeah. That was atrocious. Yeah. Brutal. Um, Yeah. I. Yeah. The, yeah. This, uh, this or, ump has not been giving corners or the bottom part of the zone all game long. And it's not changing now, which, you know, I respect it. The consistency rating will be, uh, will be very good on your umpire scorecard, which is awesome. Um, but I will say that there are some really close pitches that are not, uh, not getting called. And I will say that it's been, it's gone both ways for the most part. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he has been consistent. So, you know, it, Obviously, umpire scorecards is going to give you established strike zone. Yes. Versus, 
uh, you know, actual strike zone. Well, it'll give, uh, it'll give you but, both. You know, it'll give you right. both. That's what I'm saying. You'll you'll get both, but uh, you know, usually when you get established strike zone, the, the scores are going to be generally pretty good. Yeah, I think that uh, you, and, you know, know it's going to be very consistent, uh, and it's going to it's not going to be like uh, like that. Uh, who is that? Uh, Eddings strike zone the other day that had Ooh, like that dog eddings was rough Ooh, that uh that massive halo around the entire strike zone i mean it was like littered with balls called strikes like all the way around it looked Oof. like it looked like a uh, a strawberry churro you know it sure did it sure <laughs> did that's a great great uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, here? It's a great I mean, example. I will say I'm glad that the outside of a strawberry churro is not green, but uh, but that's well, this is true. that's kind of what it looked like. It was just like the all the strawberry in the middle, and then it was just a big thing around the outside, and it was just oh man, that strike zone was so ugly. Yeah, it was terrible. And Raylo walks the first guy and gives up a single to uh, Marsh. My question is: Is there anybody else in the bullpen right now? Or did we just trot Raylo out without having anybody else get ready? Because uh, um, I've I mean, seen this way too. I've seen that movie way too many times this season. Where I, you know we bring in a guy and we just don't have anybody even up and warming. Yeah, I mean I I can't see anybody, but uh, you know like I kind of would hope that uh, you know that Raylo's earned enough trust that. Uh, that you don't have to immediately worry about it, but uh, you never know. We'll see. I would at least have somebody doing a little soft toss. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least, uh, at least uh, getting a little loose for uh, you know, even if it's for next inning. Um, but, but you know, the bullpen, the bullpen guru doesn't want his starting pitcher to see somebody out there because that's going to kill his confidence. Ah, uh, yes, I do remember yeah. that. If you turn around, you turn around and look at the bullpen and you see somebody throwing out there, and you, you know. I can't expect my guys to have faith in themselves if I don't have faith in them. Yes, I also uh, do know that um, you know your closer should pitch in only the ninth inning, and uh, well, <laughs> and not in uh, you know high leverage points in the game where you need to get somebody out. You know, no, no big deal. Only the ninth inning, very specific to the ninth inning doesn't matter you know uh if uh you got your three four and five hitter coming up in the eighth inning and you're protecting a one-run lead no he must pitch the ninth cannot pitch the eighth um yeah so uh and that was a very defensive bunt throw the ball thank you all right so we have uh runners at second third with one out they uh did the nice little sacrifice push bunt and got their move their guys over. But imagine that you know if you if if we were to pull up the run expectancy uh, notes, that was a good time to bunt. Yeah, because now if they get a pop fly, they, they no tie runs. the game up. You know, and and, right. and at home, you know, the White Sox like to bunt with a man on first and one out and try to get him over. And now you got a man on second scoring position with two outs. Yes. And a sacrifice fly does you nothing. But get you out of the inning. I don't. Again, I digress. I'm not going to go into that whole thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you, man. It's it's like there's just there's a lot of questionable stuff going on, and uh, 
you know, we'll see. Uh, we got uh, leadoff hitter up now. So uh, with guys on second and third and <laughs> one out. So, and there is your sacrifice fly to deep right field. Oh nope. no, it's yeah, not Luis, even. Yeah, Luis can't catch it. Base is clear. Well, uh, oh. yeah, no, and he missed the tag. Didn't even catch the ball. Two run score. White Sox losing four to three. Good times. See, this is what happens every time we watch the game when we're on stream. This is what ends up happening. I think it's literally happened like three or four times this year. Yeah, we've had one where it went our way. Yeah. I think we're uh, one in three then at this point. Yeah, it sounds about right. Sounds about right. Oh, well. Thank God for off days on Mondays. <laughs> yeah, I do. I will say I do enjoy when there is an off day on a Monday and we're streaming because I don't have to think about it. And that's very nice. <laughs> I also uh, like uh, day games on a Monday. You know, I will say um, one place where I definitely see, uh, like, Luis Robert is fast as all get out, and he's generally really good at getting to to baseballs that he shouldn't get to. But I will say, once he gets close to a wall, it's like he turns into into one of the worst outfielders I've ever seen when he gets close to a wall. Yeah. Well, you know, after running into Aloy a couple times and – at least Aloy, you know, gives when you run into him. Yeah, well, Wrigley uh, Field's the wall didn't give not. out. That's, that's for true. sure. Uh, and he that's made true. that catch, you know. But I mean, it's just like uh, more often than not, if he's running along, you know, running along a wall, that's like I, you know, or he's got to jump up to try and rob a ball, mistimed like most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that you know that's what, what though, I, needs to improve. He's one of those guys, though, where, you know, I can accept that when the, when the stick is going and, you know, he's chasing everything else down, you know, if that's the one hole in your game, fine. You know, I really don't have a lot of bad to say. I don't really have anything bad to say about Luis. Uh, the guy is going to yeah. be a stud. Don't get me wrong. You know, I love the guy, you know, as, as far as uh... – you know, being on the White Sox and being a good player, and I think he's going to be great. Uh, I would just, you know, like I said, I think that's clearly a place that he definitely needs to improve. Yeah, you know, there's always work to be done. Uh, I would, I would hope that that part of his game, you know, gets cleaned up. Oh, but, uh, look at that! We got a Jim Bob sighting out there mm, in the bullpen. So we go from Jim one Bob former Lambert. starter to another former starter. And Tony must be thinking that this is going to be a long game. He's, he's playing a long game now. Now we're down by one. So, Well, now he's just giving up and, all hope. He's just going to send in the uh, the long relief now, the mop-up duty. Now we're not even trying you know, to win. Cause, well, in his mind, it's going to go 14 innings. That's, that's where his head goes. At this point, I will be surprised if it goes a full nine. <laughs> Eight and a half. Wow. Trout strikes <laughs> out later. again. Oh, he's going for the old golden sombrero, huh? Uh, he's got... Is that 0 for 3 with three strikeouts? I, I think it's 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Maybe is it 0 for 3? Yeah, maybe it is 0 for 3. Ah, man. I, am, I don't know. 
Yeesh, man. And like the thing was is that I think he'd hit like home runs in every game for like a week straight. Well, you this know. one isn't over yet. Fair enough. That is 100% true. You know, I mean, the White Sox could tie it up, and we'll go to the bottom of the ninth. You know? I mean, it's 100% possible. You, n- you never know. I have seen this, uh, this White Sox thing before. Uh, I believe you also have. Oh, it's like a broken record. Good evening, Xavier Sanchez. Oh. Welcome to the chat. What's up, Xavier? How you doing? White just... Sox Daily Zone, Xavier Sanchez. Xavier Sanchez. In the mix. Let's see. I want to Xavier! Look, at the, look at the stat line here. Sanchez! Yeah, we need to... Uh, Sorry, I had I to do to, it. I need to get... Uh, had to be done. I need to get Gene Honda on here. Do you know that? That actually would be a great string. It would be, yeah. I, I'm assuming that, that guy's, would be a lot of fun. That guy's some, he's got some golden pipes, that dude. Yeah, he does. His voice is awesome. Uh, let's see here. Michael Nelson Trout, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Okay, you were right. Either way. I think he grounded yeah, out this the game other is time, not- I think, but... This game's not over, so you know he's still True. cruising for uh, you know a dinger, or and uh, you know it might be the White Soxiest thing to. Uh, oh, you're oh, I couldn't hold on to the uh, ball. Josh Harrison, and he got spiked. I mean, he was he was he out got, by two. He steps. got spiked in the wrist, I think. Ugh. Probably tore the tendon in his wrist, and he won't be able to swing a baseball bat anymore, and he'll be out for the season. Ah, he's smiling. <laughs> I'm just talking he's, about he's smiling. Uh, White Sox. White Sox luck here. Oh, I want to see this replay. Did he get, did he's he got spiked? the ball. Oh, that should be it out. He kicked the ball out of the glove. Uh, yeah, maybe. Oh, but yeah, maybe not. I don't. It doesn't even look like they're gonna look at it. Nah, probably not. And you know, it's gonna be one of those things where, if it did get looked at, this is the last time that you could challenge something because it is the bottom of the seventh, and after the bottom of the seventh, challenges go away. So, doesn't it seem like that might have been some wor- something worth challenging? Being the, I mean. I don't know. Maybe there's it's maybe it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a rule. Here we go. Here's a close up replay. The ball was firmly in the glove. Yep. And then yeah, should have been tag. challenged. Should have been challenged. And in a kick. Should have been challenged. He was he was out long before that glove came should out. Should have been challenged. Or, uh, and now you lose your challenges. Ball. And now, you know, you just threw away your challenge. You could have used it right there. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things that can't be challenged. I don't know. But if it is, I want to know why it wasn't. Yeah, I, I think that uh, you know, I'm sure um, that I will see a little uh, a tweet by James Feigen. I'm sure here within the f- next few seconds that says, "Oh, the reason why they didn't do it is because it's you. You can't challenge that." Right. But maybe not. But uh, if hey, look at that. He does have a very good strike zone. I will give him that. He's got uh, he's got that strike zone on lockdown. 
That was a nice pitch. It was a very good pitch. Yeah, get very back good in pitch. get back in the bot- batter's box there, Wade. Anywho, he's like, oh, not that. Oh, it was. They got all of the zone pretty yeah, much. Yeah, no, yeah. Was, this guy's it was right at a, the bottom, but it did get all of it. I'm telling you, man, this guy's strike zone's been on point. It's he's not missing anything. And it's like if if a ball's been close, it actually is close, and it's just not yeah. a strike. Anyway, well, yeah, and you know, I'm okay with that as long as it's consistent for both sides. Yeah. Nobody's got an advantage. Hundred percent. By all means, do your thing. Hundred percent. I just think uh, that they uh, when it starts when it starts leaning in favor of one team or the other, that's when I get a little perturbed. Yeah. By that uh, situation, but uh, yeah, he's been uh, he's been solid. No complaints. Well, here we are. Commercial break. White Sox are uh, down one run. Going into the top of the eighth. Yep. Uh, and it's about that time. Any other subjects you would like to uh, touch on before we sign off for the evening? No, I think that this is uh, this is a good time. You know, we uh, it's a good time to call it. It's been a it's been an entertaining time on here, and uh, you know, it's like if we run over, you know, past eleven, like what are we even doing here? I'm going to turn into a pumpkin here soon, so. Couldn't have that. We certainly can't have that. No. No, no. I got to get my beauty sleep, and we all know I need a lot. If there's going to be any beauty had here. So. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, really, though. uh, Everybody that was here tonight, we appreciate, uh, you know, like we said, this is about the closest thing we're going to have to a, a watch party. So thanks for joining us for that. Uh, we hope that you're. Uh, uh, we hope that you enjoyed our commentary. I know I. Uh, I did enjoy spending some time with you. We uh, we have coined a new phrase, thanks to uh, Mister Donuts Thirty Three on the uh, junk drawer, entering the game tonight. So I will. Uh, I, I will go ahead and uh, jump on that train with you. He's no longer the legend. The leg he end. is the uh, the leg end. Yes, he will be forever known as Junk Drawer. Junk Drawer, at least by me. At least by me <laughs> on this uh, on this show and, and uh, other places. So, thanks for that. Yeah, I would say that Sebi Zavala could be called the master bunter uh, bunter for the rest of his life. But I mean, really, wouldn't. Wouldn't the other catcher in the organization have have rights on that name? Yeah, there might be some copyright infringement going on there. Might be web slinger. Um, anywho, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for tuning in this evening, and uh, and or thank you for downloading the podcast and taking a listen to us. Uh, you are listening to White Sox Daily Live. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge, and my co-host is the Dan- Danny Miller. You can find us at whitesoxdaily.substack.com, uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook group, which uh, Mr. Xavier Sanchez is nice enough to uh, to curate most of the time. Um, we also have YouTubes. Um, uh, I am at iEskridge on Twitter. 
Uh, Danny is at Danny Miller WSD on Twitter. Um, thanks for coming in and hanging out. We will see you guys next week, same time, 9 p.m. Monday night. Um, I hopefully think... we'll be talking about some uh, some White Sox winning streaks, <sighs> you know... or at least getting back into so you know uh, uh, some slightly more winning ways. I mean, I I hope so. I mean, it's just it's been um, it's been a long season so far. You know, this but is one of those. The first seasons. half has been draining. Yeah, it really has. It really oh, has. you know what? I completely forgot. Next Monday is July Fourth, and I know you aren't going to be streaming on July Fourth, so we're probably going to end up taking next week off, or on I'm a okay with day. that. Or on a different yeah, day, we'll, one or the other. I don't know. We'll we'll have to figure that out. Figure out the schedule. Yeah, you know, we'll, if if schedules line up, we'll uh, we'll throw some of the old uh, some of the old tweets out there, and you guys hopefully will be on the lookout for that. Yeah, if the not, you know. White Sox will be uh, hitting Game One against the Twins on that Fourth uh, of July. So. Uh, they will have just finished up with the Giants and will be hitting up with the Twins, which, you know, that's going to be a, uh, you know. I yeah, mean, the it, Giants series. We get to see Luis Gonzalez and uh, Yermin Mercedes. Yeah, I don't know if Luis Gonzalez, is. has Luis Gonzalez Is he playing? still up? I know, I know he got injured a little bit ago, and I don't know if he's if he's back yet, but I would assume that by that time, by, you know, a week away, that he should be back to normal unless something was really bad. Um, but, yeah, we've got uh, probably going to end up seeing Rodon, Luis Gonzalez, and Yermin Mercedes, Mercedes in uh, one series. And uh, we'll see how that holds. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. We might have a lot of material for our next uh, show. 100%. Uh, thank, you, thank you to the White Sox tonight for giving us plenty of material for this show. <laughs> yes, indeed. Let's hope that. Uh, oh, yeah, our, our good friend Ryan Tapera out on the mound for the Angels in the uh, eighth inning. So, um, yeah. So, thanks for coming in and hanging out. Thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you are listening in that format tomorrow, and uh, you guys have a great evening. We will talk to you soon. We will. Uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do next week, and uh, we'll tweet about it. Put it out there for everybody. Uh, Thank you so much for coming in, and you have a great night. Bye.